This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Camp Dino, Bo, Zeta, and Gavin followed Tuku back to his hideout. A stranded bus stuck up in a giant tree. They ambushed Tuku, and while Gavin and Zeta blocked the exits, Bo dug through the fat monkey's treasures and recovered Gavin's knife, Zeta's necklace, and a Bakuza scroll. But Tuku didn't give up his trinkets easily. Bo had to stick fight him for it. In the end, Bo won, and with a little help from Echo, the kids flew away. Once settled, they unraveled the scroll and realized it was a map of the Bakuza camp. And now for episode 14, The Tournament. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Camp Dino.
The day of the tournament had arrived, and the weather couldn't have been better. The sun rose high in the sky, and a thin scattering of clouds drifted over the treetops. Sure, it was hot and a little muggy, but Bo was used to that now, and he'd much prefer a hot sunny day over a dark wet day, where they'd have to traverse the tournament's obstacles in pouring rain. Most of the kids climbing down from their sleep trees looked nervous. A few of the more experienced kids had already been up for hours, getting some last-minute practice in with their dinos. Claudia was doing push-ups with her little fuzzy-tailed aqualops on her back. Tony from the green tree was doing pull-ups on the long neck of his brontosaurus. Zeta was among them. She'd taken shoot, toot, and scoot for a morning run and was practicing commands, having them jump over rocks or stop and huddle together. She was pleasantly surprised with their progress. Gavin couldn't have cared less about the day's events. He was sleeping in as usual, and by the sound of his snores, wasn't planning on getting up anytime soon. Bo found it hard to get up too. Despite the beautiful morning full of colorful jungle birds and the smell of green in the air, he felt exhausted and unmotivated. He'd been up most of the night studying the Bakuza map under lantern light. He, Zeta, and Gavin had looked it over and talked about it at length shortly after he'd found it, but Bo took it upon himself to understand it. Zeta didn't think it helped them. She figured she'd just put up a good fight if she came across another Bakuza warrior. For Gavin, the map might as well have been a dirty napkin from the galley. Bo knew better. He knew that the map was just another piece of the puzzle, and Bo loved puzzles. He also happened to love studying, so staying up late and looking over every drawing, every foreign word was exhilarating. He yawned as he untied Buck from his sleep tree and shuffled over to the galley for breakfast. Bo was impressed to find the entire camp decorated with big green flags commemorating tournament day. They hung in strands across the shipwrecked cafeteria and the sleep tree branches. They poked up from the rope bridges and Dr. Rex's bone yurt. There was even a giant green flag flapping above the gathering hut. That wasn't all that was different. Even breakfast was special. While most meals were over the top and delicious, Sloppy Joe had outdone herself. A massive breakfast feast spread across a long table. Tropical juices cascaded down from mini edible volcanoes. There were dinosaur statues made from French toast sticks, and even a stack of tire-sized waffles stamped with the outline of each dinosaur. Happy Tournament Day, Joe sang, waving her little green flag and handing out plates of food. Ah, I've got a special meal just for you, Buck. She set an enormous stack of pancakes in front of the T-Rex, and Buck's tongue licked his scaly mouth before tearing into it. Buck was especially excited. It was like he was feeding off the energy in camp. If it weren't for that energy, Bo probably would have fallen back asleep halfway through the meal. But Buck made sure that didn't happen, whacking him with his wagging tail and licking his face repeatedly. <laughs> Let me guess, you're excited, Bo said dully. 
Buck howled and tugged on Bo's shirt with his teeth. Okay, okay, hold on, Bo laughed. Let me finish my drink. But before he could take his last sip, Buck yanked him away, making him drop his cup. A little springy Gallimimus immediately pranced up and started licking the puddle on the ground. Buck dragged Bo to the line of kids, waiting to get on a tube and float down the chute. Bo glanced over the group for any sign of Zeta. He hadn't seen her all morning and it didn't look like she was among the group. When it was his turn, he grabbed a tube, put Buck on his lap, and floated down the chute to the flag-covered sign marking the trail to the tournament. Hopping out, they followed the trail with the other kids until they came to a table where Dr. Rex and Dr. Sky were handing out t-shirts. Hey there, Bo, Dr. Rex said as Bo approached the table. Morning, Buck. Ready for the big day? <coughs> Buck howled excitedly. We're as ready as we'll ever be, Bo said with a shrug. Ha! Buck was born ready, weren't ya, Buck? Dr. Rex said. Green lines of paint streaked diagonally down his cheery face. He looked like he was ready to go into battle and was way too happy about it. Bursting with energy, Buck growled again and bumped into the table and surrounding dinosaurs. <laughs> Let's see here, Dr. Rex thumbed through the t-shirts. There we are. Go ahead and put this on and wait with the rest of your sleep tree. We handed Bo a white t-shirt with his name on it, along with Buck's name and species. Thanks, Bo said, taking it and putting it on. Bo still had a hard time making eye contact with Dr. Rex ever since the shed incident. Dr. Rex could sense his discomfort. Everything all right, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm just nervous. Don't you worry too much, Bo. You'll do great. You've got that lucky hat. Dr. Rex touched his own hat, and Bo forced a smile and did the same. Then, Bo led Buck to the blue sleep tree group that was sitting in the meadow next to the others. He froze as his eyes trailed up from them to the line of trees ahead. You've got to be kidding, he said under his breath. An enormous sign strung across two giant bending trees marked the entrance to the tournament. Torches and green flags ran up the trunks, and a tall wall of bamboo stretched in either direction. It looked like a giant cage for King Kong. Now, Bo was awake. His nerves were now prickling uncomfortably. Were he and Buck ready for this? Were the obstacles going to be harder than the ones they'd practiced on? Were the Bakuza nearby? He glanced around nervously. He could feel the butterflies fluttering around in his stomach. He'd never participated in an intense competition like this. His parents had forced him to be on a couple of sports teams, and he always got nervous before a game, but this was different. He knew there was real danger beyond those walls. And on top of it all, he'd be facing it in front of all his peers, in front of his friends. Speaking of friends, Bo looked over the blue sleep tree group. Nope, Gavin still wasn't there. Isn't this exciting? came Zeta's voice. Bo whirled around and found Zeta, dressed in her workout clothes, her triplets running up behind her. 
She pointed to the yellow head tie around her head. Where's yours? Oh, right. Bo turned and saw a kid next to him handing out blue head ties. He grabbed one and put it on. Guess we need to remember what sleep tree we belong to? It has something to do with how the team winners are determined, Zeta said. But all I care about is getting the fastest time. I don't care if I have some slow Susies in my sleep tree. I'm going for the top prize, the Camp Dino Champion. Assuming I get these three to cooperate. She nodded to shoot Toot and Scoot, who were starting to lock horns again despite Buck's best efforts to break them up. Gavin hasn't shown up yet? Bo shook his head. I would have woken him up, but I got a shoot of the face last time I tried. I think he'll come. He definitely won't be wearing one of these shirts, I can tell you that much. They laughed. I see you're wearing your necklace. Bo nodded to the dog tag necklace around Zeta's neck. Zeta held it and smiled. It's my good luck charm. I've worn it to every competition I've ever been in. If my parents were here, they'd be wearing theirs too. Cool. I guess my hat's kind of a lucky charm. And this big ugly backpack. They both laughed again. Jeez, you've really got that thing packed, Zeta said. Would you bring a parachute? No, but that would have been an awesome idea. Just the basics. You're packing light. Bo pointed to Zeta's small backpack that didn't look like it was holding more than a bagged lunch. Can't have anything weighing me down, Zeta joked. Ma and Pa were trying to hush the chatting kids and growling dinos. Oh, we're about to start, Zeta said. See you on the other side? I'll be waiting for you, Bo joked. <laughs> In your dreams? Zeta ran back over to her group and Bo took a seat next to his. Good morning, dynamites, Pa shouted. Good morning, Mon Pa, the kids shouted back. Welcome to the Camp Dino Tournament. The meadow filled with cheers and the dinos roared excitedly. As it quieted down, Pa continued. This is my favorite day at Camp Dino. It is your chance to show us how far you've come with your dinosaur friends. Yes, there will be winners and losers. Points will be given. A champion will be crowned. But it is all in the spirit of fun competition. What we care about most is that you stretch yourselves, work hard, and put your dino bond to the test. Lasting relationships are forged in the fires of tribulation. When we overcome our fears together, when we pick each other up, we grow stronger together. Bo looked at Buck and smiled. T-Rex was quietly eating the lunch of the oblivious kid sitting in front of them, and for the first time, Bo found it kind of endearing. I want you all to know how proud we are of you, Ma said. You have all done a wonderful job adapting to the jungle and caring for your dinosaurs. While the challenges you face today are real, we are confident you can overcome them. These obstacles are in fact dangerous, but your counselors will be standing by if you are in urgent need of assistance. We will now turn the time over to Helga to walk through the tournament rules. Helga? Helga marched to the front of the group with her hands folded behind her 
wearing twice as much armor as usual. Her bald head shone around the single braid that lay down her back. Welcome to your worst nightmare, Helga announced. Some of the kids jumped. Dr. Rex chuckled. <laughs> she says that every year. It keeps getting better. Will you suffer? Yes. Will you cry like little monkey babies? Yes. Will you wish your dino would just eat you already and spare you the pain and suffering of this course? Yes! Bo and Zeta glanced wide-eyed at each other across their groups. The course will be completed one sleep tree at a time. If you try to sneak into another group, you will be disqualified. Each one of you will be timed. Whoever finishes the course with the fastest time will be crowned champion. Once everyone has gone through, we will add up everyone's times and the sleep tree with the fastest total time will get a special prize. Now, the rules! Rule number one. You must stay with your dino at all times. You cannot simply carry your beast through all the obstacles. You must work together! Rule number two. No sabotaging other students during the course, huh? If you are caught playing tricks or bullying others in any way, you will be disqualified. She glared at Ash and his carnivores who shook their heads and scoffed at her. Rule number three. If you are ever hurt during the tournament, you will shout, Help! Dot, help me! I'm dying! Somebody please help me! <laughs> <sighs> Helga's face stayed miraculously stoic. Dot will then come to the rescue and fix you up best she can. But no promises! And lastly, rule number four. Some obstacles are marked with two versions. One for walking dinosaurs and the other for those with flying dinosaurs. If you are caught running through the wrong version of the obstacle or flying over the challenge... You will be disqualified. Man, she really loves that word, Bo whispered to Buck. We will start with the red sleep tree. Bring your dinos to the gate and wait in front of Dr. Rex. As the sound of the tournament bell, you may begin the cross. Once they have gone through, I will direct the next group. Red sleep tree, to your positions! The kids in the red group anxiously got to their feet and brought their dinosaurs over to the gate where Dr. Rex was waiting for them. Once they were all in position, Ma took out a white handkerchief and waved it towards the main camp. Seeing the signal in the distance, one of Boom's guards swung a mallet at the ship's bell at the top of the galley. Dr. Rex stepped aside and the red group poured into the obstacle course. Ma and Pa started their timers. Bo felt the hairs on his arms stand up at the sound of the bell and cheering kids. A part of him wished he was running through the last obstacle, covered in sweat and done with it all. Unfortunately, he'd have to wait. The next group to go was the yellow tree, Zeta's group. Zeta sprang to her feet and marched to the front of the group with Shoot, Toot, and Scoot by her side. Bo whistled and cheered her on. Zeta waved back at him. Bo could tell she was in the zone. She was jogging in place like a boxer waiting for the bell to ring. A minute later, 
it did. The kids cheered as the yellow group piled into the obstacle course. The sounds of roaring dinos echoed through the trees, followed by distant shouts from the kids. Some sounded triumphant, others sounded like cries of pain. Bo's mouth went dry. He was getting really nervous. The next group to go was the green sleep tree. Ash and his carnivores shoved their fellow tree mates out of the way to get to the front of the group. Ash and his raptor were the first in line, of course. The boys from the green group stormed the first obstacle. Helga waved for the blue group to get into position. Bo got to his feet. His knees felt weak. Buck wagged his tail and whined in anticipation. Don't worry, Buck. We're almost there. Whatever you do, don't leave me, okay? That's all I ask. Buck purred and licked Bo's hand. What'd I miss? Gavin said, walking up to him. You came? Didn't want to leave you all the glory, Gavin joked. He carried a small pack that Bo was sure was full of survival gear. As predicted, he wasn't wearing his tournament t-shirt or the blue head tie. I wasn't sure you'd come, Bo said. Eh, Gavin shrugged. I had nothing better to do. Where's Echo? She'll drop in if she wants. She's hovering over the course now. Is it as bad as I'm imagining? No idea. They change it every year. This is my first time, too. Let me guess. You slept through it last year? Gavin smirked. Actually, I had the Oasis all to myself. It was nice. Bo looked up at the huge tournament entrance in front of him. I bet, he mumbled. The Oasis sounded amazing right about now, even with bubbles and belly flops. Ready! Helga shouted. Bo's heart pounded in his chest. Ma raised her handkerchief and the galley bell rang out. Bo felt the mob around him rush through the entrance, pulling him and Buck along with it. They came to the first obstacle, and luckily, this one was similar to one they'd already faced. Flame balls. But these swung at random angles, forcing the kids to be more strategic in how they passed through them. Some of the kids coaxed their dinos with leashes. Others used walking sticks. A passing fireball singed a plate off the back of a stegosaurus, and another nearly clobbered a pachycephalosaurus that was trying to deflect the balls with its hard head. The rushing of kids, dinos, and fireballs was pure madness. Bo waited for most of his group to go ahead before approaching the first passing fireball. He let out a long breath. Ready, Buck? He waited for the fireball to cross the path. Go! Bo bolted through the trail of sparks and Buck followed. They stopped as another fireball whooshed by at an angle. Now! Bo led the way through the second one, and the third, then the fourth. Bo heard a shriek overhead and looked up to see Gavin's pteranodon swooping around the trees. Gavin hung from her talons as together they flew through fiery rings suspended in the higher branches. Other kids passed through them with their winged dinosaurs, but none with as much finesse or control. Gavin and Echo looked amazing. 
buckling their legs and wings in sync through every hoop as if they'd been practicing. Bo's distracted gaze made him lose sight of the last fireball that was now barreling towards him. Buck bit onto Bo's pants and yanked him out of the way just in time. The passing ball grazed Bo's arm and he felt a sudden searing pain. He grabbed the long burn mark on his arm. Buck howled at him and whacked Bo with his tail before charging down the path. Bo quickly followed before the fireball came swinging back. When they reached the end of the first obstacle, Buck took a second to chew him out with angry growls. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I'll pay closer attention on the next one. The next obstacle was much worse. A tunnel made of spiderweb stretched into a dark cave in front of them. Crawling along it were dozens of Goliath bird-eater spiders. Man, I hate these things. Kirby was standing next to the web tunnel, machete in hand. Don't worry, kid. I'll make sure things don't get messy. If you get bent, just shout and I'll come in chopping. He made a chopping gesture with his machete. Yeah. Uh, Where's your flashlight? Bo asked, looking him over. Flashlight? Kirby checked his pants. Um, great. Bo felt even worse. If I scream, don't come chopping. Why didn't I think? Kirby was now digging through a pack nearby. Come on, Bo, I got you, Gavin said, hunched over on the opposite side of the path. There was a spark, and within seconds a flame danced on the end of his torch. Bo could see the little smoking flint nest on the ground where he'd made the fire, no doubt using the method Dr. Lovekin had taught them. Echo flew over the cave and waited for them on the other side. Bo and Buck followed Gavin through the spiderweb tunnel into the dark cave. Giant hairy spiders passed in and out of the torchlight. Bo could feel the sticky web graze his arms as he ducked through it. He could hear the clicking of spiders and the chittering of bats in the darkness. At one point, they had to crawl on their hands and knees, inches away from the hungry spiders. Bo could almost feel their fuzzy legs on the back of his neck. He stared straight ahead. The cave was pitch black with the exception of the point of light coming from Gavin's torch ahead of him. After a few minutes, the tunnel rose up over a dark ledge of rocks and they had to climb through the narrowing web. Buck followed close behind, chomping at any spiders that tried to reach out and crawl into Bo's feet. Bo whimpered every time he felt a tickling sensation touch down onto his leg. Luckily, it never lasted long. Buck took great pleasure in pouncing on any spider that dared to touch Bo. Up ahead, Gavin was able to fend for himself. He used his carved knife to stab at any spiders that reached for him. Wait a sec. He stopped when they'd reached the top of the ledge. What am I doing? He shook his head and started slicing the roof of the web tunnel, making the web fall apart. Good idea, Bo said. It worked great at first. As the giant web fell away, they were able to stand up and walk through the cave. But then they noticed that the Goliath spiders had all fallen to the ground and were now scurrying after them. 
Terrible idea, Bo shouted. They ran out of the cave and stopped. Echo was waiting just outside the exit. She flapped her wings and squawked threateningly. The Goliath spiders scurried into the bushes or back into the cave. Zeta was on the other side, kneeling next to her triplets. What the heck? She said, watching the fleeing spiders. His fault, Bo said, pointing to Gavin. You're lucky I had the torch, Gavin scoffed. He walked over and pet Echo's long beak. She flapped her wings happily. A torch, Zeta said. Wish I would have thought of that. I just had the triplets charge through the tunnel and I ran after them. She pulled another dead spider off of Shoot's horn. All of the Triceratops' horns were full of skewered spiders, but Shoot by far had the most. We were doing so well until Scoot decided to take a nap. She glared at the lazy Triceratops that was slumbering blissfully on her back under the shade of a big leaf. With an irritated growl, Buck glanced between Scoot and the next obstacle, then bit onto her horn and pulled her to her feet. Scoot was not happy. She roared at Buck and tried to jab him with her horns, but Buck knocked them away with his snout. Echo let out a little squawk as she flew over and poked at the huge spiders being tossed aside. She glanced at the squabbling dinos next to her and turned her beak as if trying to tune out a bunch of rowdy toddlers. Shoot and Toot were trying to eat some of the tossed spiders as well, and Echo was letting them get away with a few. She didn't seem too bothered by them until Toot let one rip, and the Pteranodon stepped back appalled. <sniffs> Bo could have been imagining things, but it almost looked like she was flapping the stink away with one of her wings. All that practicing for nothing, Zeta said, looking over her dinos and shaking her head. Bo could tell she was really upset. It looked like she was trying to hide some tears. And I was this close to catching up to Ash, too! Ugh! He's probably going to win it all. She watched glumly as kids and dinosaurs passed them by. Now what? We finish it, Bo said. Together. Zeta raised an eyebrow and looked between the boys. Really? We've come this far, Bo said. If I don't cross that finish line with Buck, he's going to eat me for lunch. Zeta wiped her tears away and with a chuckle got to her feet. Gavin looked at them, arms folded across his chest, and smiled. Let's do it. A minute later, the three of them were running across the next obstacle together, their dinos close by their sides. It was the log rope bridge Bo had helped Dr. Rex make in the bone yurt. He was suspended over a swampy ravine. Massive anacondas slithered in and out of the mossy water below, their thick green bodies spanning the length of the ravine. Hate snakes, Gavin grumbled as they teetered on the flimsy bridge. The anacondas hissed and snapped at them from below. Zeta and the triplets were the first ones across. They made it look easy. Come on, you got this, she called back to the others. Bo looked down at the bridge. It had obviously been worn down from all the other kids and fat dinosaurs that run across it. The rope's fibers were pulling apart. Do not just stand there. Go! Came a booming voice off to the side. They looked and saw Boom standing watch at the edge of the ravine. Now Bo was really freaked out. 
I get an audience. Awesome, he said sarcastically. You gonna save me if I fall in? No, Boom said. I cannot stand snakes, but I will whistle for help if you fall. Well, that's reassuring. Why did they even wake the counselors up this morning? Bo stepped carefully over the flimsy logs with Buck by his side. Crack! One of the logs split in half. Bo and Buck stumbled over it. Crack! 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 They stumbled over a few more that split under their feet. Crack! On the last one, Buck almost fell, but Bo grabbed his tail and yanked him to the end of the bridge. They collapsed over each other when they reached solid ground. Gavin stared blankly at them and the huge gap now in the bridge. Seriously? He grabbed onto the rope railing and started hand over hand climbing across. But before he could go far, Echo flew down and spread her wings across the gap in the bridge. Gavin tilted his head. That works. He pulled himself up and easily walked across the Pteranodon's wings. The next obstacle took them through the oasis, where they had to swim across the biggest pool, while Bubbles raised and lowered his head, making tall crashing waves. Zeta's triplets struggled at the halfway mark, but Buck let them climb onto his back while he swam across. After the Oasis challenge, they followed a jungle trail that ended at a cliff. Bo carefully stepped up to it, looked down, and gulped. A sign marked by a little green flag said that they had to rappel down while their dinos held the rope. Bo immediately unzipped his backpack and started rummaging through it. What, you brought something that'll help with this? Zeta said, surprised. Nope, but I do have a notebook. So I'm going to write a note to my parents telling them that it was nice knowing them. Stop it. Zeta grabbed the notebook out of his hands and threw it back in his bag. We got this. Let's just have all three of her dinos hold it together. That way, if one of them lets go... Or bites through, Bo added, giving Buck a look. Or bites through, the others will still have a hold of it. We'll put Buck in the back. Gavin was peeking into Bo's open backpack. It's just a bunch of snacks. Bo snatched it out of his hands defensively. I'm a nervous eater. Zeta lined up the dinosaurs, had them all bite down on the rope, and then put on a harness. I'll go first. Bo couldn't believe how calm and collected she was. Sure, she was good at this kind of stuff, but trusting the dinosaurs to hold the rope was just nuts. As if reading his thoughts, Zeta said, Better them than you. She smiled and slowly leaned back over the edge of the cliff. Bo, she looked at her friend sympathetically. Remember the boulder we climbed? This is nothing compared to that. Bo's heart lurched as she suddenly dropped out of sight. Woohoo! The rope tightened in the dino's mouths and their feet skidded a few inches across the ground. Echo was struggling to keep the rope in her beak. See? Seda called from below. Told you we were good! She lowered down the cliff face, taking a moment to rub it in by swinging side to side. Your triplets are getting distracted by a butterfly, Bo shouted down to her. What? Oh, man! Zeta stopped messing around and hurried the rest of the way. Bo was lying, of course, but he was getting sick of her gloating. 
Gavin was next. He gave his pteranodon a pat on the beak. Catch me if I fall? Echo chirped affectionately. Then, holding on to the rope, Gavin gave Bo a salute and dropped over the edge. Bo felt his insides squirm just watching Gavin glide down the cliff. Gavin slid down, occasionally bouncing his feet off the rock until he reached the bottom. It was Bo's turn. He put on the harness and grabbed the rope. Buck sensed Bo's anxiety and whined. Don't worry, Buck. I'm sure there are worse ways to die. He glanced back over the edge. I just can't think of any right now. He closed his eyes and remembered Dr. Skye's breathing exercise. Long inhale in for three seconds. Hold for three seconds. And release for three seconds. Again, long inhale in. Hold. And release. Bo felt his pounding heart slow. His ears focused on the flock of macaws flying above him. The wind rustling the leaves. The buzzing of insects. The coolness of the sweat on his forehead. Buck's determined growl. He didn't need to open his eyes to know that his T-Rex was holding onto that rope with everything he had. <laughs> Leaning back over the edge, Bo dropped and started lowering down the cliff. His eyes opened and watched in amazement as his feet bounced off the rock. Way to go, Bo! Zeta cheered from below. About halfway, Bo started to notice movement out of the corner of his eye. He looked and saw Shoot, Toot, and Scoot running down the switchback path next to the cliff. Shoot, Toot, Scoot, no! Zeta yelled. But they weren't the only ones to leave their post. Echo's flying shadow passed over Bo as the pteranodon glided down next to Gavin. Bo stared up the cliff in horror. Buck was alone up there. Don't let go, Buck! He shouted as he lowered himself as quickly as possible. At the top, Buck was trembling from the effort. His red scaly feet dug in deep, just inches from the edge. His clenched teeth started to cut through the rope's fibers. Bo lowered as fast as he could. Six feet above the ground, the rope snapped and he fell the rest of the way. Gavin and Zeta caught him. Oh, Buck, you did it! Zeta shouted up the cliff. Moments later, Buck came shuffling down the trail and nearly collapsed by Bo's side. Oh, thanks, Buck, Bo said, giving him a big hug. After a short but much-needed break, the kids took off their harnesses and whistled for their dinos to follow them down the path. As they hiked, Bo thought he saw something move in the bushes, but it was gone as soon as he saw it. Spooked, he picked up the pace and followed the others to the next obstacle. The winding path brought them to Dr. Rex, who was standing in front of two small caves. Zeta, Gavin, Bo, welcome to Dino Trivia, Dr. Rex announced as if addressing an entire arena. What do we have to do here? Zeta asked. Well, I'm going to ask you a Dino Trivia question. Then, based on your answer, I'll direct you to one of the caves. If you give me the wrong answer, the cave I'll point you to will take you down a detour that'll slow you down. The other cave is for the correct answer. 
It'll take you to the next challenge. You ready? Do we get to do it together? Bo asked. Nope, Dr. Rex said. One at a time. Zeta, we'll start with you. Zeta stepped forward. Dr. Rex folded his arms and looked at her, considering what question to ask. Finally, he said, During what time periods did dinosaurs roam the Earth? Other than the present day, of course. Zeta thought hard. Um... Bo was trying to mouth the answer to her, but Dr. Rex caught him. Nah, no helping. The Triassic, Jurassic, and... Zeta looked down at her Triceratopses. The Cretaceous periods. Dr. Rex's eyebrows raised slightly as he suppressed a smile. He pointed to the cave to his left, and Bo quietly celebrated. Once Zeta and the triplets had disappeared into the cave, Dr. Rex continued. Gavin, you're up. Gavin stepped forward. Echo perched herself on a tree nearby and watched with curiosity. How many legs does a sauropod dinosaur have? Dr. Rex asked. Bo cringed. This was an easy question for him, but for Gavin, who regularly ditched all of Dr. Rex's classes, it'd be tough. Gavin groaned as if this was the lamest exercise he'd ever been put through. Oh, two, he said simply. Bo closed his eyes and let his head drop. Dr. Rex slowly pointed to the cave on his right. Bo and Buck were next. Dr. Rex checked to make sure they were alone. When he looked back at Bo, his demeanor was no longer light and playful. Bo, am I what you saw in that shed? We don't need to talk about it, Bo interrupted. Listen, there are some things we don't need you kids to know. Seriously, it's not a big deal. Bo was getting uncomfortable. His hands were starting to sweat. The safety of these dinosaurs are number one priority. Sometimes you have to do things that don't feel right in order to protect them. We had more eggs than students this year, so we had to... I said I don't care, Bo shouted. A few birds fluttered out of a nearby tree. Bo and Dr. Rex went silent and stared at each other for a moment. Buck stepped up to Dr. Rex and growled. <sighs> Easy, Buck. I hear ya. We'll get on with the question. <clears throat> at the tree of knowledge, on what branch would you find a book on Velociraptors? Velociraptors, Bo repeated. Dr. Rex nodded. Bo thought back on his visits to the Tree of Knowledge. He remembered going up the trunk in the ball chair, looking at the topics and book names in the branch shelves. He remembered that the books were in alphabetical order, with the A's starting at the base of the trunk. A book on velociraptors would be at the very top of the tree. Seeing as there aren't many dinosaur topics or species that end with W, X, Y, and Z... I'd say the highest branch shelf on the tree. Dr. Rex hesitated and then smiled and nodded. But there was something about his face that looked more tired than happy. He pointed to the cave on the left, which confirmed to Bo that he'd gotten the answer correct. Ushering Buck on, Bo could feel Dr. Rex's eyes on him as he hurried into the darkness of the cave. It was a short cavern that only lasted one turn. When he reached the other side, Zeta and the triplets were waiting for him. 
Where's Gavin? She asked. He got the question wrong, Bo said. It might take him a while to catch up. Or not, Zeta said, pointing over his shoulder. Bo turned to see Echo swooping down towards them with Gavin on his back. The Pteranodon landed next to them with a few graceful flaps, and Gavin stepped off. Well, that was stupid, he said, tossing his hair out of his face. He, Bo, and Zeta led their dinosaurs down the trail marked by little green flags until the path widened and traps of all kinds blocked their passage. Good luck in my knees, <laughs> laughed Dr. Lovekin, who was standing off to the side with his nasty pig. Cutie Pie oinked with delight. Show me what you got, Belly Flop Bo. <laughs> Don't up in your history, no, sir. <laughs> Bo, Zeta, and Gavin all looked at each other and smiled. Moments later, they were running through the trap path together. Bo, Zeta, and their dinos traversed the hidden trigger strings and covered pits on the ground while Gavin soared overhead, dodging hidden airborne traps like falling net cages, branches that swung on a spring, and dropping fruit. He shouted advice to the others down below. Watch the pile of leaves, he called as Echo folded her wings and they spun between two swinging branches. Jump, he yelled, and the kids hopped over an invisible string connected to a trap. Lovekin and Cutie Pie's mouths hung open as they watched the kids in amazement. Bo and Zeta jumped and dodged the traps as Gavin and Echo soared, spun, and ducked under falling cages and spring-loaded tree limbs. Lovekin's eyes bulged as Zeta's foot got caught in a rope trap that yanked her up off the ground. But before it could pull her up the tree, Shoot jumped up hooked a horn on the rope and pulled it down with the help of Toot and Scoot, who were pulling his tail. Buck then leapt high and chomped the rope, setting Zeta free. Bo caught her before she could stumble, and Echo swooped low over them and used her wings to deflect a barrage of fruit falling from the hanging baskets. Buck raised his head and let out an excited roar. When they all skidded to a stop at the end of the run, Lovekin stared at them in a childlike stupor. Whoa, he moaned. Bo, Zeta, and Gavin celebrated and then ran to their final obstacle. By this point, Bo noticed there were no other kids around them. No growls or howls from other dinosaurs. It was just them. They must have been way behind, Bo thought. They stepped into a canyon and looked across it. Thick foliage and trees covered the cliffs on either side. At the end of the canyon was the finish line, marked with a line of tiki torches and green flags. But there was no one there waiting for them. No counselors, no kids, nobody. What the heck? Bo mumbled, looking around. Did we take a wrong turn? Zeta wondered aloud. This is it. Gavin assured them. Has to be. Bo would have celebrated, but there was something about this canyon and its lack of people that was unsettling. Okay, well, let's finish this. He stepped into the canyon, and the others followed. Bo felt like he was being watched. He glanced around the canyon anxiously. There was something about these trees and that row of rocks at the top that looked familiar. A monkey poked its head out of the top of a tree. 
Another slowly peeked out from behind a fern. And another, and another, and another. Oh no, Bo, Zeta stopped. Is this? The Monkey Club, Bo finished. Monkeys of all shapes and sizes were popping up around them. Hundreds of them. It's an ape wave, Bo shouted. Run! Panicked, they bolted for the other end of the canyon. But as they ran, they noticed there was no thundering rumble of monkey feet chasing after them. No deafening cry of monkeys. Bo glanced over his shoulder and slowed. The monkeys weren't moving. They just stared after them. Bo and his friends were almost to the end of the canyon. Just a few more steps. Tuku suddenly hopped down onto a boulder next to them and started waving his arms and howling madly. <laughs> Tuku, what are you doing? Bo tried to run around the fat monkey that was now blocking their way. Move! They ran around Tuku and reached the finish line. Tuku watched them with a look of despair. <laughs> Bo, Zeta, and Gavin stopped to catch their breath. Um, guys, Zeta said. Look. Bo and Gavin looked back and saw Tuku and his monkey army retreating back into the trees. Bo tilted his head. What the... Run! shouted a voice in the nearby trees. Get out of here! They turned and saw Ash being held by a Bakuza warrior, his mouth now covered by a massive hand. Bo's body froze. All of the students were being held captive just inside the jungle by the masked Bakuza. Beyond them, dinosaurs are being carried off in nets. Some appear to be stunned, others awake and moaning. Bo even saw the counselors tied up and restrained. What's happening? Zeta cried. Before they could react, several Bakuza warriors sprang out of the trees and captured their dinosaurs in nets. Back no! Bo cried. <coughs> Buck whined from within the net. Antaka! said the warrior chief as he approached the net. Running his hand along Buck's back, he looked up at the other warriors and barked a command. Naktugantista! A handful of them carried Buck away into the jungle, along with Shoot Toot and Scoot. The chief and the remaining warriors aimed their blue-tipped spears at the kids. Bo, Gavin, and Zeta surrendered. With another barking command, the Bakuza chief ordered his men to tie up the kids. Bo's mind was spinning as he, Zeta, Gavin, and their dinosaurs were pushed into the jungle along with the rest of camp.
Hey, Rocketeers, hope you enjoyed that episode of Camp Dino. We're getting really close to this season's climax. I think there are maybe two more episodes. I'm not sure. We'll see how it comes out to be. Uh, But we're really close, Rocketeers. I know it's kind of sad, but kind of exciting. Don't worry. I don't plan on making this the only season of Camp Dino, so don't freak out. I want to give some shout-outs to our patrons, Emily and Steven and their dad, Tom. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, it sounds like so far you've listened to Grandpa's Globe Space Train and a bit of Camp Dino. I'm guessing you're caught up on Camp Dino by now. I hope you're enjoying it. Thank you so much, so much, so much for your support. Really appreciate it. And patron Lou and her mom, Mary, from Portland, Oregon. Thank you, Lou and Mary, for supporting the show. I love the name Lou. Uh, Obviously, one of my characters from Winning the Pixie Knots, Lou, who's actually my favorite character in that story. And our daughter, Eloise, we're still debating whether we'll call her Lou or Ellie for short. We always say that when we name our kids. We, like, imagine giving them a nickname, and we practice it, and we're like, oh, let's see if this sounds cool. And so far, we haven't used any of the nicknames. Um, With Aurora, we thought, oh, she'll go by Rory or something it never happened it never happened so we'll see maybe my daughter goes by Lou someday Lou and Mary thank you I also want to give a shout out to Jen and her daughter Lena I loved your feedback about listening to these stories during the pandemic I know the pandemic has been really hard for a lot of people for most of us you know we're cooped up it's just been difficult in a lot of ways And I loved your feedback um, that said that your family really loves and appreciates the creativity and kindness that are woven into the adventures. I know you said Lena also really loves uh, the Triceratops. She wants Toot. And you said that you as the mommy said no to farting dinosaurs. So, um, yeah, I would love a Toot stuffed animal that could just kind of like squeeze the little Triceratops and it makes farting noises. That would be my kind of stuffed animal for sure. Sarah, my wife, probably wouldn't love that. But, you know what, I think that'd be awesome. Who knows, maybe we'll get that in the store someday. That would be Toot, the farting Triceratops stuffed animal. Um, But it doesn't smell. That would be a deal breaker. Like, no scratch and sniff stickers on there or anything like that. We're just going to make the sound, okay? I also got a really sweet video and picture from Madeline from Red Hook, New York. Loved it so much, Madeline. Thank you. The video, you're adorable. You're so cute. I know you and your dad, Ben, have been enjoying Camp Dino. And guess what, Madeline? My sister's name is Madeline. And you and I kind of have matching glasses, so we might as well be related. Thanks for listening, Madeline. You're awesome. I'm going to read a couple Apple reviews. This one says, best podcast ever. This is from Aiden. It says, love the podcast. Please make Space Train Season 2. I try to listen every day. It's so good. And love the Camp Dino series. Please make more. There's more Camp Dino, Aiden. A couple more. And then I plan to start up Space Train Season 2. That's the plan. So stay tuned. This next review is from Lamgad Geta. And it says, amazing podcast with awesome stories. This podcast is so cool. I really like all the fun and interesting stories. My absolute favorite series is Digger. It's so fun. I love how the characters are really believable. 
Though Digger is my favorite camp dino slowly winning me over, it may become my favorite soon, you never know. Bo is really interesting and all the suspense in the story pulled me in. My favorite character is Gavin. I love his quote, talking is overrated. It made me laugh so hard. Uh, One of the best things about this podcast is that even though the voices are similar vocally, in some respect, they're still super different because the personality it really shows through in all the lines. So you can always tell which character's talking. Uh, The storylines also draw me in every time because of all the detail. Thank you so much, Mr. Greg Webb, for this awesome podcast. Well, that's the end of my review. To anyone reading, have an amazing day. Ah, thank you so much. What great feedback. I love that line too. (laughs) Um, Talking is overrated sometimes, although you'll probably never hear me say that because as anybody who knows me knows that I talk quite a bit. Yeah, if I'm a little long-winded, in case you couldn't tell. Um, But thank you so much for this review. That's really cool. And I'm glad you're able to distinguish between the characters because you're right, sometimes... There's not a huge difference between the voices, uh, maybe just a subtle difference or accent or something. So the fact that you're able to imagine who's talking quickly and, and piece this story together is exciting. I love it. That makes me feel good. This next review is from Izzy. I have a niece named Izzy. Great name. It says, I love this podcast. I'm nine and I've been listening to this since I was five and it is still my favorite podcast. That is awesome. I like this podcast because it's fun for older and younger kids. The only thing I don't like is having to wait two weeks for new episodes. I listen to this every morning before my parents wake up. Awesome. Thanks, Izzy. Great feedback. And thank you so much for being a loyal rocketeer for four years. You've basically been listening since I started the show, which is incredible. That makes me feel really, really good. And that is something that... I really try to focus on. I want, you know, some of the the younger Rocketeers in our audience to be able to listen and catch on to the excitement. Maybe you don't understand every word that's being said, but just, you know, listening to audiobooks, listening to audio stories actually helps you increase your vocabulary. Um, So I know it's very helpful for not just our younger audience, but the older kids as well. And obviously for those older kids, I think it really helps to have um, those strong characters, the serial episodes where it kind of keeps the storyline going, the plot, you know, having a little depth and world building in there, I think helps um, for the older kids and for myself. Honestly, I'm an older, I'm one of those older kids that is only going to do this if I can enjoy the story myself. And I like to pepper in some more of those details and really kind of flesh out more of the characters to make it more enjoyable for me. So I love that there is a wider range of people that are listening to the stories. That's amazing feedback. Thank you so much. Rocketeers, if you're looking for a way to support the show, please go to patreon.com, become a patron today, and get some extra bonus stories. You get a discount on Chubb merchandise. Check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. And tell your friends and family, that is the biggest compliment you can give me. You can give me feedback. I love your feedback. I love your drawings. But it's always great also to hear that you're sharing the podcast with others. I love it. Thank you so much, Rocketeers. Thank you, Mom, Roxanne Webb, for looking this over on short notice. And don't forget, everyone, to tune back next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.